Good morning, Keyman. Happy Friday. Just waiting on Bleak and Aaron doing some technical stuff on the back end. How are you guys doing? Everyone is fabulous, I hope. Good morning, Diamond Princess. You're the first one out of the barn this morning. How are you? Morning, Carmely. Happy Friday. Hello, Miss Bonnie. What are you doing? Guys are looking good, looking good. Yes, that's Blake and Aaron right there. Good morning. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Oh, good morning, Sandy. Hey, hey good Blake and Aaron. Happy Hello. Friday. Thank you, and same to you both. Yeah. All righty. All right, what have we got on a Friday morning? Off-reg. Made a bold move. Oh, what happened? They deferred the Water Authority's rate adjustment. Mm. Mm -hmm. How much adjustment? Uh, did they even say? <laughs> it, was so well, ridiculous. it was not even, they weren't even going to say it because it was so ridiculous. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, normally we don't, we, most people don't really worry about the water authorities bill too much. It's, it's the CUC and the other ones that are like, Ugh, yeah, more mm -hmm. that's true. Um, but yes, apparently at their monthly meeting in April, the board um, considered the Water Authority's rate adjustment submission, um, which by law has to be reviewed and agreed upon by Offreg, and they basically um, decided at this point to defer it pending the review of further information requested from the authority. So very, very interesting. Uh, we kind of always felt like they were just rubber stamping these things. So it's interesting to see that at least in this instance, they have deferred it for further information. So we'll see. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we don't know uh, what information it is that they're seeking, and, and maybe they're just missing something, and you know. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They didn't really specify. Um, they what? said that they um, wanted additional information, including one of the things is their 2021 financial year statements and forecasting for the next five years. Mm. So it looks like it's all about the dollars and cents, really. But that is still rather interesting. So we'll keep an eye on that situation and continue to update uh, your listeners. Uh, Cabinet has signed off on the Cayman Islands Beautification Task Force, which is going to replace the Beautification Committee. And essentially, you know, they're going to be tasked with trying to help um, spruce up the Cayman Islands and um, enforce litter laws and that sort of thing. I've heard rumblings about it for quite some time, that it was definitely in the works. So we shall keep an eye on that and see where that develops and where it goes from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the um, Jamaican authorities have announced that the highly transmissible Omicron BA2 variant 
is now in Jamaica. No real surprise there. Yeah. Um, but as we disclosed recently, Jamaica has essentially lifted most of their travel restrictions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, onward, onward and onward, basically, I yeah. think is what most countries are saying. The CDC has indicated that it will, um, in all likelihood, be fighting the um, decision recently, this earlier this week, that the mask mandate uh, had gone too far because they said that on a matter of principle, it's important that they have the power to be able to, um, not just in this instance, but generally speaking, that they have the power to be able to implement such um, what they say are health uh, and safety yep. you know, restrictions. So we'll see. It's not, it's not so much for this one now, it's for the next. Uh, exactly. Next, yeah. next, yeah. Time. next trillion. Yeah. Do we know what the vaccination rate is for Jamaica nowadays? Uh, gosh, it, I know it was lingering really low for quite some time. Um, so I'd have to double check, but I, at one point it was like 10, 15%. Like it was just dismal to be honest. Um, wow. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they've had any improvements. Of course, here in the Cayman Islands, we have lifted the restriction as it relates to countries with the vaccination rate of less than 60%, which included countries um, like Jamaica, like Honduras, and like the Philippines, which a large number of both visitors and work permit holders do come from those countries. Jamaica, um, by the way, is at 23% vaccination rate. Oh, they're finally 23%. Good. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. It's still low. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Just a little update on the shooting victim. We got an update yesterday to say that he was in stable condition um, after receiving, this was a Windsor Park incident um, the day before. Uh, he received a single gunshot wound to the abdomen and he's now in stable condition and the police say that they continue to work on the case and that if anyone has any tips, um, they can certainly come forward and provide that information to the RCIPS. But it should be an open and shut case because I think they kind of know who did it. Okay, so um, is it a neighbor dispute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in some very interesting entertainment news, Netflix loses $50 billion in value in under 24 hours. This is the first time in 10 years that the um, streaming giant has actually lost subscribers. So this is not good because everyone has their uh, ex's password and they all use, they don't, well, they don't sign up. There's a couple of reasons for that. One is they uh, lost 700,000 subscribers in Russia when they decided to, well, that's true. to, to not okay. stream into Russia anymore because of the Ukraine situation. So they knew they were taking the hit. They knew they were taking some, yeah. some, some hit there. And then also yeah. because uh, there's a lot of restrictions, people aren't at home now in a pandemic lockdown. Yeah. People cut those little uh, frivolous things. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah. And also, so everyone has their ex's passwords. So there's and, like four yeah. different homes that share one, and one account. There's so much competition out there now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're absolutely right. Competition. But Stranger Things is about to premiere. And you know, like each episode of Stranger Things costs like 30 mil. Wow. Something crazy. crazy. Or um, each season, maybe. On a side note, CNN Plus, who just launched their streaming platform <laughs> yeah. one, month, down already. one month ago, wow. has pulled the plug on it. Maybe they should work on their actual programming and yeah. stop focusing on one news story for a whole day. Uh, I, all, I news, all news people. Yeah. Stop that. It's too, no one no one talks about the news anymore. That's why I watch Al Jazeera. Yes. That's it. Exactly. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. They focus on one and they nitpick one little one thing and you're like, okay, I get it. Move on. Yeah. There's other things going on in the world. They should focus. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. They should focus they used on to. 
They did used to do that. Yeah. You're right. That's why I don't watch American. It, uh, it is more talk showy nowadays. Media. Yeah. All instead of, of reporting the news. It's nice if I want to go and watch them talk about one thing, but I can't do it all day. So, yeah. yeah. So, in, in relation to Netflix, um, <laughs> they uh, shares dropped by 35%. One investor, his name is William Ackman, he considered, he's considered to be uh, a reputable American financier. He ditched $1.1 billion um, of stock in Netflix, and he even took a loss of $400 million. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, it's obviously, you know, well, that's the, enough to move the market right there. That's, that's yeah. lost $30 million, but sold one point, what billion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. okay. Take a little yeah. bit of it. So, all right. That's, that's so one all right, Sandy, you got about 30 seconds to get on Bobo 89.1 FM. So have a great Friday of the weekend. We'll see you on uh, Monday. All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You, you too. too. Bye. All right. All right, folks. Yes, we got to get this show on the road. Um, I feel like we're cutting a little bit close this morning. I was like, let's rein it in, y'all. Let's rein it in. Sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. All right, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to one and good morning to all. Happy Friday. Um, big shout out to our Bobo 89.1 listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I see Carmely asking about my voice. Try refreshing, Carmely. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I did a double check and everything audio related this morning. So I think that we should be good. Um, but do let me know. Happy Friday to Miss Bonnie. We've got Diamond Princess tuned in. Wee Wee's got it locked here on Facebook. Marshall from North Carolina. Ervalyn says, good morning, everyone. So good to see you guys. Cameron has got it locked in. Um, so happy my day Friday, Wallace, says Cameron. So good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, Cameron asked, will this be the day that we finally, we finally have behavior? Let's get it. What do you mean? We have behavior every day. Good morning, Tom. So good to see you. Happy Friday to Miss Olivia. Cameron is laughing at this concept of CNN Plus when we were just talking about that. We'll do some news roundup this morning. Um, good morning to Miss Pat. So good to see you. Melita has got it locked. How are you? Barbara's also here. Good morning. Um, East End. Yes, you're in the East End. Beautiful. 
And good morning to Ms. Morna, who's joining us from Prospect. Stephen joining us from the UK. How is everybody doing? Can I just ask you, how are you feeling? How are you doing this morning? I'm good. It's Friday. What can I say? It's another beautiful day um, in the Cayman Islands. Good morning to Sharon. So good to see you guys. So headline news, um, quite shockingly, is this deferral by Water Authority. I think a lot of people read it and they thought that the deferral meant that they it had been denied. So essentially what this is, is Offreg has said to the Water Authority that we need some more information before um, we approve your rate adjustment. And so some of the information that they're actually requesting includes the financial statements for 2021 and financial projections for the next five years. So, you know, when you're a company, these are things that you're expected to um, produce. And I guess they want to just offer everyone to have a look at the numbers to make sure that um, whatever position the water authority is in, if they're requesting this rate create, rate adjustment, which is, you know, it's going to be an increase. <laughs> they never adjust it down. That it's not going to be an undue burden, I think, on the consumers, as well as it's a reasonable request, Right. So um, I saw a lot of commentary from individuals who were saying, oh, they need to do this to CUC. Well, I think CUC might have a contractually different arrangement, a different situation. But um, the, the idea that Offreg has the power to say no to these utility companies is an important concept <laughs> that we can all take on board. They do have the power, whether or not they exercise it, is a very different situation. So we'll keep an eye on the water authority situation. Like I said, most of us um, don't really quibble too much about the water authority rates because, you know, considering how much water we use, we had them on the show yesterday and how much free access we have to water, have to water. Uh, most of us do not even think about anything related to water. You just turn on the tap and it's there. And the one or two times that it isn't, you know, you complain but let's be honest, the Water Authority does, I think, a really good job of um, keeping our water safe and drinkable and usable. And, um, you know, I take my hats off to them as an authority. Everybody has room for improvement. I'm not saying anybody's perfect here. But, you know, compared to a lot of different places in the world, I do think that we are incredibly fortunate to have access to, um, to good, good drinking water. So good morning to uh, Sharon. Luis is here. Miss Rita, buenos dias. Como estas? Um, DJ Trucking said, good morning. You look very white today. <laughs> you know what it is? It's actually a new camera. No, I'm not doing anything crazy like bleaching or anything. Oh my gosh, that'd be so crazy. And I think the camera does a little bit different with the light. So I do feel like I, I can see that I look a little bit clearer this morning. It's a 4K camera, but in fact, the 4K part doesn't matter much because you can't stream in 4K. Um, I think YouTube might let you upload in 4K. I don't know about live streaming, but Facebook, it's still like 1080p. But yeah, I think it, it takes in the light a little bit differently. So that's what you're seeing, DJ Trucking. Don't worry, I'm not trying to be white. <laughs> um, Pat says, I'm very thankful to be alive. Yes, wonderful. Um, so we are coming off of, as Cameron says here, a short week because of the Easter weekend. Um, Irvlin says that camera is giving you glow, honey. Ooh, I got the glow, honey, chill. Yes. 
Um, yeah, cameras can make all the difference in the world. And this is actually just a little um, attached to laptop camera. So the last couple of days I have been streaming from my laptop. And so that camera wouldn't be as good as the one that I normally stream from. But then this camera now that I've added um, is a step up and I can definitely see it as well. So um, searched all over for the golden egg with no avail. Who's holding the thing? Cameron, you're a joker. So good morning to Miss Charlene, our viewers, our listeners, I should say. Uh, please don't forget, you can call the show at 936-2626. Let us know what is on your mind today. Rita says, Buen, uh, bien, gracias. Uh, Felicia, good morning. How are you? So good to see you guys. So um, in other interesting news, um, you know, again, big shout out to Offreg. I think we're going to keep an eye on them for sure. We do, somebody else was messaging me about Offreg a couple of days ago and they were just like, you know, what, what's the deal with Offreg? Why are they not reening in like gas stations and all this sort of other stuff? And I do sometimes wonder about their power or lack thereof and whether or not um, they're actually utilizing it. Um, so, you know, quite... Uh, Quite interesting. Someone just reminded me to send out the stuff, the WhatsApp group. My apologies. All right. So rise and shine. I feel like you guys are kind of a little bit asleep today. Um, let me see if I have it actually. Oh, it's not gone through. All right. So um, we are here covering all things news related this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Friday morning. And we're going into um, the weekend, so lots of things going on. A big shout out to Burger King, who has their big uh, BK Big Fish tournament that is coming up. You guys know that this has been an annual event for, um, gosh, I don't know how many years now, a number of years, where fishermen get to go out on the uh, open waters and um, they do what they love to do, which is catch fish. And then they have a weigh-in competition and they have different categories. I think they had in the past, like an all-female team, for example, which I think is amazing. And um, they do have, um, I think some of the, even some of the younger uh, kids get into it as well. So uh, make sure that you are aware of that over $50,000 in cash and prizes, um, you know, given out every single year that they have that event. So um, let me just see here. So let's talk about mask mandates a little bit. And then we're going to get into some regional news. So, so some really interesting things are happening regionally. But I have noticed with interest, um, the Compass has obviously taken a position as it relates to mask mandates. And they seem to be, through their coverage, trying to entice the government or push the government to really release um, the country from mandatory mask mandates. And it, it is interesting when you see um, media houses take a position. And listen, I'm not saying that media houses don't take a position. I think they do all the time. If we were to be honest with it, we would just come out and say, this is a position that as a uh, publication or you know, um, a host or whatever that we're taking. I think a lot of people try to pretend like they are um, neutral 
Now, you guys know in this program, we, we've been as transparent, I think, as we can be. Uh, even as it relates to the pandemic, we've been very, very transparent that we rely on the science, we rely on the experts. We know from the onset that this was a new and emerging um, disease. And there was a lot specifically about COVID-19 that they did not know. And so there would be emerging information as we went through it. You know, I'm an advocate and supporter of vaccines, generally speaking. And I didn't see this vaccine really as any different, except in the sense that this is the first one in my lifetime that um, was kind of at the forefront of a discussion. Not the first one in my lifetime that has been developed, because in fact, when was the chickenpox vaccine developed? I'm trying to remember. But I kind of feel like that's been developed in my lifetime. Hey, I had chickenpox as a kid. And now future generations have a real hope of not being infected with chickenpox. So, you know, we, we've taken a position of trying to educate people in this program from a um, medical and scientific perspective, as opposed to just holding an opinion for the sake of holding an opinion. Ah, like I said, you're entitled to your opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. So. On the discussion of COVID-19 here at CMR, we've tried to really have it be fact-driven as much as possible. And I I know that there are people who didn't like that. I'm sure I've lost some. I haven't lost any friends, but I've lost acquaintances over my position in relation to this virus. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of sad because, listen, if you're my friend, you know, who all five of you are, you'd completely understand um, where I stand in certain things. And um, I kind of got to the point where at one stage, I didn't even want to address this anymore. Like I was, I was talked out. I was COVID talked out, right? I was just like, Ugh, listen, uh, you have your opinion. I have mine. You're not going to change my opinion. I'm not going to change yours. And so, you know, let's just leave it at that. But I do have some friends who are very, very insistent. And even still now, I've got some acquaintances who are very insistent and constantly sending me um, information that they should and fake news. Most of the time, I ignore it, to be quite frank, just for my own sanity. And then other times, I remind them of how ridiculous they are for relying on certain sources um, for their information. So I will reply to them and send them the accurate and correct information. And then they never respond back. They never go, oh, wow, Sandy, thanks for showing me that once again, this website that I continually send you stuff from is once again wrong. It's so funny how people are. It's just human nature. When, when someone says, mm, actually, you're wrong, and here's why, and here's the scientific research, and here's why this story is false, they don't even take it on board. They just... Two days later, send me more misinformation again. So I do have to kind of chuckle um, at, at that. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I don't really, um, I've tried not to allow COVID to come between me and relationships, but it has ended um, at least one relationship that I was really, really sad about. And it's because, again, the person felt like um, they could send me misinformation. And if I responded to them, this is what they basically said to me. If I responded and tried to correct the misinformation, oh, you're bullying me. And I was like, Lord, you know, the overuse of that term, especially when it comes to adults, um, has been quite shocking. Everybody feels like they're being bullied just because somebody tell you that your shit stinks. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, that's not bullying. That's just being honest with you. And that's trying to have an adult conversation. You know, we're supposed to all be adulting here. 
in any event, um, you know, you have to recognize that you cannot control people. You can't control the way that they think. And oftentimes you can't control uh, their behavior. So you just keep it moving. You know, I was saddened by how the relationship ended. And it wasn't even me. They they decided to block me. I was like, okay. Well, life goes on, folks. Um, you know, uh, I got a real insight, though, into a lot of people's personalities because of this pandemic. So when I sit back now and I see the compass taking a position, they're running all these stories and, you know, they, they talked about the minister and she wasn't wearing a mask. And, you know, um, the progressives, people got really upset after Tuesday's show because then they dug up a picture of the premier, the current premier, maskless on a plane with one other guy. And of course, again, you know, the the devil's in the details. So they don't say that the premier had pulled down his mask to have a drink of water, which you're allowed to drink water. You can't drink water through a mask. And at that moment, the guy behind him said, oh, do you mind, since you just pulled down your mask, uh, bad timing, do you mind if, if we take a selfie, if we take a photo? And so he took that photo and now in response to us calling out the previous premier who took his mask off to take a photo in a airport full of people, no excuse, no water drinking, no nothing, um, touching shoulders to shoulders with people, you know, their response was, oh, well, look at this current premier. It can be so tit for tat that honestly, I think at some point you have to just say, um, let's just not have time for that kind of foolishness. We have so many more important things to be discussing. But this concept of, of the mask mandate, the CDC in the United States of America is going to fight um, this battle in court. And I think they should rightfully do so because essentially what America has done is America has politicized the entire mask mandate wearing situation. And I feel like K-Man is now going in that direction. I'll tell you why here in a second, right? The dangers of that is you should be driven by medicine and by the science not by politics when it comes to public health matters. And I get that COVID-19, it's just been so crazy. And there's been a lot of politicizing of it on so many different fronts, right? When we went into lockdown, it was a very, very challenging and difficult time for not just this country, but the entire world. At the time, I stood with the, the previous government, the progressive government, and I said they did the right thing. They locked us down, um, although... They were a little bit late. <laughs> you guys remember the whole cruise ship thing, not rehashing, but these are the facts. So they were allowing cruise ship that had infected persons to come to our shores until CMR posted an article saying how Jamaica turned them away. And, um, you know, again, the premier at that time, Mr. Alden McLaughlin, was commenting in his prospect news group that, oh, CMR is just fear mongering. These were the early, early days. This is March of uh, 2020. So these were the really early days of <clears throat> this whole COVID thing. And very few people are paying attention. It's so interesting because CMR, we were writing the very first articles in Cayman about COVID before any other media house had even picked up on it. Because I saw it. I'm like, ooh. This doesn't sound good. What is this? Out of where? Where's Wuhan, China? I've never even heard of Wuhan, China before. But in the early days, it started trending very, very quickly. You know, And part of our job here at CMR is to really pay attention to um, the news and to see what's trending and what's tracking and what's picking up sp speed. And this story was picking up speed. 
And so when we heard about this cruise ship that was coming, we were like, oh, this isn't good. Um, you know, the Italian um, situation, Italy was going off where they were like having cruise ships um, that were like just stuck, you know, offshore because they had a lot of people infected. And if we went back and checked the history of what transpired on the cruise ships in particular, they were a floating Petri dish for a really long time. And they were making the management of these um, cruise lines were making really, really poor decisions because of money. They were all like, we just want to book another cruise and get thousands of people together. Not appreciating that people were literally dying on their ships and they were just sticking them in the freezer uh, saying, oh, let's continue a cruise. You know, it wasn't until the CDC and others stepped in and said, hold on, uh-uh, we can't leave this up to the cruise lines to decide. They're driven by money. That's it. So we we need to stop them. We need to, you know, put the regulations or the laws in place to pull them out of the water. And eventually that forced their hand, right, to stop offering cruises. But the CDC has a really, really important role to play as a regulator. Just like here in the Cayman Islands, we've got public health. They have an important role to play um, in a regulatory capacity as well. And the government, both the previous government and this current government, said that they are relying on the medical experts and the evidence before them. And they cannot allow people, um, for their own you know, selfish reasons, um, to dictate public health policy. And that's what's happening right now with this mask mandate. Everybody is trying to dictate uh, what is really a public health matter because they're just sick and tired of wearing a mask. And so the chamber has jumped into the mix and the chamber has said um, that they're in support of the lifting of mask mandates. So this was another article that the Compass carried yesterday and I thought it was really, really interesting. So I said, right, okay. So the Compass is going to carry a lot of, um, and for the record, I don't read the compass, but I do see the headlines and people do send me um, screenshots and stuff for the headlines. Um, what's their website called again? Is it caymancompass.com? Um, so, you know, it, it is interesting and I do see, um, before you start reading, blah, blah, blah. All right, fine. And no, I'm not going to pay for your stories. Um, <laughs> they're like, Get the compass daily. No, stop popping up stuff. All right. So, um, yeah, you know, chamber wants government to scrap the mask mandate. Hmm. Um, I, f I think it's interesting. You know, the chamber is um, supposed to be about s supporting businesses. They represent the business community. And I thought to myself, hmm. Even if government said that they were going to lift the mandatory mask mandate, we've said this before, it's still going to be one of those situations where the individual organizations or companies can mandate that you wear a mask. And how is that going to work? Are you going to roll up in Foster's and be like, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask because the government has said it's not mandated? Like, I feel like this is kind of a recipe for disaster. Like, if you keep the mask mandate, everybody knows when you go out in certain areas, you can't remember there's a criteria around the mask mandate, right? You can't maintain social distancing of six feet. Um, you are in certain public spaces like restaurants and bars and whatever. Uh, you wear a mask in those types of situations. 
you know, if you're outdoors, you're not wearing a mask. If you're at an outdoor function, you're not wearing a mask. So I think that, you know, people are really um, making a lot about this mask mandate when to me, it should be something that we adopt as part of our daily routine now. Now, here's a, here's a situ- situation. In the United States of America, uh, there are people who walk around without masks, but there are also a lot of people who are still wearing masks despite whatever this judge said in Florida. When you go into malls, for example, somebody sent me a picture just, I think it was yesterday, um, International Mall, uh, Dadeland Mall, Dolphin Mall, they have signage at the door. If you're not vaccinated, mm-hmm, I know y'all think this would just came in, but if you're not vaccinated, uh, put your mask on is what they say in the mall, right? So they're not telling you that you have to be vaccinated, but they're saying, if you're not, we require you to wear a mask. Now, no one's really at the door, like enforcing it, saying, let me see your vaccination card. But there is, at the very minimum, signage there that says that, right? So the chamber says that we have a high vaccination rate and low hospitalization numbers. But yet, our numbers are actually tracking upwards. So if you're paying attention, everywhere else in the world has indeed seen an increase um, in the COVID numbers, and Cayman is certainly no exception. So at a time that we're having um, our numbers increase, at a time that Jamaica is talking about, oh, by the way, we have Omicron BA2 you know, variant now in Jamaica, they've confirmed that. Um, what logic does it make for us to remove a mask at this particular time? This government has been very, very cautious about their movements. And I must say, just like the last government, I don't have any issue or problems with them being overly cautious. This is our health, our life, our well-being, right? We all should be taking personal precautions And I think what ends up happening is the government knows that the average person does not um, have the, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The average person doesn't have the willpower to really stay the course. So in lieu of that, that's why they put these mandates in place, because they kind of have to tell you what to do for your own health and well-being. But yes, COVID is on the rise again. You know, we're not talking about it a whole lot because I think there is a little bit of um, a burnout situation here. We're all burnt out. COVID burnout is a real thing, right? We I was glad not to be able to um, talk about it for, you know, a good minute. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we also need to be sensible in what has gotten us this far and to stay the course and really do our best to um, remain compliant with the things that will keep you safe. Continue to wash your hands. Are you going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, I'm not going to wash my hands anymore because I'm tired of washing my hands? No. You know, these things we teach our kids, all these good hygiene habits since COVID, and it is in everybody's best interest to um, continue to do so. But I'm, I'm watching it with uh, a lot of interest um, in terms of how, you know, the position is, let's just throw mask to the, to the side. And some people say they have no issues with um, 
wearing a mask, but they don't want government to mandate it. Let me just be honest here this morning. If government doesn't mandate it, and if organizations don't say you have to put on a mask to come in here, y'all know you ain't wearing no mask. Who are you trying to fool? 936-2626 is a number. Where are you on this mask mandate situation? Where are you falling on it? Mask, pro-mask mandate, anti-mask mandate. Um, you know, although this judge in, uh, where is he? In Florida has said that the CDC overstepped their their bounds uh, boundaries. Do you know that there are specific um, counties and states that still have it in place? So they don't care what's happening at the federal level. They're still like, look, yeah, Bobo, you're not coming on a plane in LAX without a mask on. You're not coming into an airport. So once again, the individual uh, you know, jurisdictions are saying whatever the um, the authorities are doing at the federal level and they're fighting at the federal level, at the state and local level, we are going to maintain mask mandates because it is working. And it's as simple as that. It helps. Don't throw out everything that we have worked so incredibly hard for uh, over the past two years, we've gotten to this point, right? Continue to, if you've not yet been vaccinated, understand the importance of getting vaccinated. Yes, it's not going to stop you from getting the virus. But when you get it, and I've heard so many people say, oh my God, this is the sickest that I've been. Well, thank God you're vaccinated, honey. Because if you weren't, imagine what the prognosis would be like, right? So, um, it, it's interesting, lots still happening in the world of COVID. Like I said, we haven't had a COVID minute uh, in quite some time. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about it. Here's another interesting bit of news. Moderna has released trial results that suggest a version of its vaccine, which is designed to target variants, offers better, longer lasting protection. So the drug companies are still out there, folks, working around the clock. They're still investing a lot of money in trying to find viable treatments um, for COVID, uh, treatments at the front end if you get it, as well as vaccines, because that's that's our long-term hope for trying to uh, get this under control. Now, did you know, um, by the way, shout out to Misha. She's so funny. Misha says, oh my gosh, your voice is so soothing this morning. Aw, that's so nice. <laughs> I think it's because I'm actually pretty close to the the microphone. But anyway, did you know that officially in Shanghai, China, they've only recorded 17 COVID deaths? Uh, Y'all know China are a bunch of liars, right? I don't think I have to say this, but just in case you missed that memo, um, I ain't believing nothing that China got to say about COVID. <laughs> okay. So Shanghai claims um, this is the country's largest city. They have recorded just 17 COVID deaths despite surging cases. Uh, yeah. So apparently how China defines a COVID death might be part of the reason that their numbers are so low. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the numbers, the city has more than 400,000 COVID-19 infections. They claim that just 17 people have died. This is what their officials say. And um, they then use those statistics to say, look, our strategy of strict lockdowns and mask quarantine 
works. So China and Hong Kong, which is, you know, kind of part of China, um, is um, one of the few countries in the world, or two of the few countries in the world, I should say, that um, have maintained this zero COVID strategy. So what zero COVID means is that every single time they have a breakout, they push people into lockdown. And this has been constant since the first lockdown for them. And it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. And it, the poor people in China, they're, they're going crazy. But you know, the Chinese government has a way of, of putting out misinformation. You know, they're like Russia. They just make up the news a lot of times. So they put out misinformation. They hide a lot. Um, and this is why I must say, just as an aside, when people in Cayman were were touting the um, the Chinese vaccines. I think they have two different vaccines that came out of China as the holy grail. Oh, let's tr let's trust the Chinese vaccines over Moderna or Pfizer. I had to shake my head. I'm like, y'all trusting something coming out of China as it relates to the coronavirus? Are we on the same page here? Okay, then. Even stats and the effectiveness, one of them is, is by Chinese government. I'm like, I'm not believing China. So anyway, uh, they claim that over only 17 people have died. And, you know, um, they define COVID-related deaths more narrowly than any other countries. And so um, chronically ill patients who died while infected as victims, they don't even count them. And, you know, here in Cayman, we do. We do count them as a COVID death. So the 27 COVID deaths that we've had, probably a good, mm, I'm going to say about 23 of those, had um, severe comorbidities, right? So in other words, you know, yes, COVID's on the death certificate as a secondary cause, but it wasn't really the COVID that killed them. And in some instances, some of those people had even recovered from COVID and they still died. And, you know, some people believe that, listen, COVID will exasperate your, your demise um, when you have all these other comorbidities. And we know that that's a fact, right? So China um, continues. They're now in a three-week lockdown of the city, China of Shanghai, which is China's biggest city, limited access to medicine and care for other illnesses, but yet they want us to believe that only 17 people in China have died. Mm -hmm. A nurse who suffered an asthma attack died after being denied care because of virus controls. This, folks, is what is happening in China right now. A nurse, a nurse, suffered an asthma attack which is normally very, very treatable. You know, although asthma attacks can kill you, they're normally very treatable. She has died after being denied care because of virus controls. A 90-year-old man died of complications from diabetes, poor thing, after being turned away from an overwhelmed hospital. Mm -hmm. And yet they're claiming that uh, only 17 people have died. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. What a mess. Um, so residents and frontline workers have been pushed to their limits, uh, according to various sources, by the policies. Um, a hospital worker started bleeding internally after long hours and conducting mass testing, and she too died. I mean, China is just putting people under immense pressure that just isn't normal, folks. Now, this isn't how you deal with it. 
But I bet you y'all ain't going over there talking about dropping mask mandates. You know, when China puts their foot down, um, it is what it is. So, you know, there's uh, China does not release information on excess deaths defined as the number of deaths from COVID, as well as other causes. And of course, this is why they can claim that there's only 17 people that have died. So um, quite a unique accounting system that they have in place there in China. And the, you know, the, what, the little bit of information that does leak out of China uh, demonstrates that um, they just don't have this under co- control, despite the fact that they are continually shutting people down. It will be interesting to see ultimately um, how this turns out for China Um, everybody else in the world has abandoned a zero COVID policy because it just does not work. It's as simple as that. You know, it doesn't work. Hmm. Yes, honey, Jill. Uh, Let's read some of your comments. And don't forget, you can jump in anytime you want. 936-2626 is the number. Good morning to Larry, joining us from New York. Um, Richard, good morning to you and Celine. So good to see you guys. Uh, big shout out to our friends over at Waffle Monkeys. Go check them out. They have these amazing sausage rolls, especially on Thursdays and weekends. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I could eat me one right now. Uh, good morning, Melicia. So good to see you. Um, Sarah's also got it locked. Um, so, oh, Sarah says the DG's 5K scheduled for Sunday has been postponed to the end of May. I thought I saw something coming in the email yesterday, but let me have a look at that, Sarah. And thank you for bringing that to our attention. So we'll make that announcement now. Um, We think Sarah's on top of it, yes. So I'll double check my emails because I I saw something, but I think it probably was a glance over. Um, Any idea why it was postponed? You know, we have to be honest that we do have, we continue to have concerns about COVID. The governor uh, recently announced that um, him and his wife, Miss Lizzie, have tested positive, um, which is, you know, unfortunate, but I think they're doing well, uh, again, because they're all uh, boosted, vaccinated, and fully boosted. So, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll check that out. There was an event a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, at one of the hotels um, that was a, I can't remember if it was a fundraising event, but it was an event. And there's a lot of people there not wearing masks. And it kind of was a bit of a more recent super spreader event. Again, folks, you know, you've got to be careful. I, I tried to, there have been a couple of events that I've been invited to, and honestly, I didn't go because I thought of the volume of people that would be there. And I thought to myself, eh, yeah, I'm, I'm still COVID free. Knock on wood, folks. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, and I really want to keep it that way as much as possible. You know? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not about the COVID life. <laughs> I am doing my best. So I do wear my mask. I've got, child, I've ordered so many masks. And I'm keeping Amazon in business with the mask ordering situation because every couple of days I, um, oh, Larry is no longer in New York. Where is he? Um, 
so every couple of days I change out my mask, depending on how much use it's getting and where I've been. And I throw in the garbage and I take out a new one. So, um, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So the Justice Department is going to appeal um, this ruling by uh, this judge in Florida. So some large U.S. transit systems are still keeping the mask mandate in place. And, of course, if you live in the U.S., um, you will know about that. Now, here's the interesting thing. Their decision was supported by a new poll, right? Although the airlines dropped it, um, the mass transit systems, the people who are using those have said, uh, please, you know, keep it in place. And I'm thinking, who, who are the loud people out there who are like, remove it, remove it, remove it? On an airplane of all places, right? A mask is a very good idea. Why? Planes pump the cabin air through what they call high-efficiency particulate air, that's the HEPA filters, which works pretty well. But in December of 2021, researchers found that passengers sitting in the same row and even more than one seat away from someone else. Remember how we were doing the whole spacing thing? If that person has COVID-19, you still have a high risk of being infected through direct respiratory droplets. Wearing a mask reduces the rate or the risk of infection by 54% on a plane. Why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> I'm confused. The airlines, I think, are making a mistake and they're pandering to a few people. Hmm. And here was what else this research said, that your seat may not be the most dangerous spot either. Boarding and deplaning areas and airports generally may be the worst for circulation of the virus. Mm-hmm. So, um, folks, the irony of it is when you travel, the last thing you want to do is to ruin your trip by catching COVID and having to quarantine. Here you are going on a little vacay, finally, after being in lockdown for two years, and you're going to be reckless and not wear a mask and then get COVID, not even be able to enjoy your vacation, much less potentially get seriously sick, if not die. It ain't worth it, folks. Just throw on a mask. Now, if you're on a bus or train, <laughs> even worse, because those um, ventilation systems are nothing like what's on a plane. So they don't have a HEPA filter. At least the planes have a HEPA filter. And you're still very in a very closed and contingent environment. Buses and trains have no HEPA filtration system. So you're at significant risk, right? This is evidence, folks. This is what the evidence is saying. Now, this poll that just came out, uh, there's a poll conducted in all 50 states just before the federal judge made his decision to strike down the mask mandate for public transportation, actually found that the vast majority of people are still very much in favor of wearing a mask. So Americans support it. Check out the poll. It's by the Associated Press, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. It was published on Wednesday. Today is now Friday. Mm -hmm. 
And the poll found that 56% of Americans favored people wearing masks on planes, trains, and buses, while 24% opposed such a requirement. It was conducted in all 50 states. And the question was surrounding public transportation, which includes planes, trains, and buses, and so on. So um, the poll um, takers say that the support for mask mandates was evidence in the poll, despite steadily declining worries expressed in the poll about coronavirus infections. So 20% of respondents said that they were extremely worried or very worried that they or family member might become infected. And that's down from 25% in a similar survey last month. So less people are fearful of infection, but um, you know, still a good number of people are saying that they should, uh, they believe in the mask mandate. 44% of Americans say that they often or always wore masks outside of their homes, which is down from more than 65% in January. And of course we know that in January, the Omicron variant, that wave was at its peak. So um, public health officials are not in favor of the judge's decision at all. Um, they have said, here's a quote from um, Maria White. She said, I think it's unfortunate, especially while cases are rising because of a new variant. Uh, she says she's going to continue to wear a mask on public transit uh, because she has comorbidities and she wants to limit her chances of getting long COVID from a COVID-19 infection. Um, other people say they will continue to wear a mask, whether it's mandated or not, because mask wearing reduces uh, both um, transmission and exposure of not just coronavirus, but other things like the flu and other pesky colds that you get all the time. Hmm. All right. So um, the science, again, is in favor of mask wearing. It says to put on your mask. So good morning, Brother Tommy. How are you? Um, Cameron says, I sent out a post from February 2019 that finished with mask up or shape up. Uh, done trying to tell you on a February 2019. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? So good to see you. Uh, Jonathan says, honesty is the best policy. You know what? Um, someone said to me recently, um, this is a quote from Siobhan. She said, her dad always said, um, there will be no punishment if you're honest. How, how does this quote go, Siobhan? Um, there'll be no punishment if you're honest, but there might be consequences. So this is how he raised his children. I think this is a fantastic um policy really is you're not going to be punished for telling the truth, but you know, there will be consequences for whatever it is that you did. My aunt used to say the same thing, honey child. She's like, mm, mm, mm. um, tell the truth and things will go better for you. Tell a lie. And you know, you're going to be eventually found out because you can only maintain a lie. I feel like for so long and you will eventually be found out and Ooh, you're going to get double the punishment. If I found out that you lied. Child, I used to be so scared. I was like, well, I might as well just fess up. But you know, as kids, you always try to find a way to, like if they, if your parents don't ask you a direct question, you're not going to just admit to it, right? 
good policies. Um, Jonathan, absolutely right. Uh, tell the truth. Ervin says people just don't love to hear the truth. It ain't that the truth. Um, I don't know what about the truth that makes us uncomfortable. People love to live in a state of denial. Jonathan joining us from St. Martin. Beautiful. Good morning, Ingrid. Uh, once again, twice a child. Live it while we know it. Um, so all I can say is the truth is not always obvious to everyone. And, um, you know, it is very, very interesting and very, very challenging and difficult when um, people ex- refuse to accept the truth. Because there's so many reasons why, but I think a lot of people live in a bit of a delusional state. And so they would rather believe their own opinion as being factual as opposed to really going with um, what the truth situation is. Aliano says, and it's Sina. What is this? Thank God that Trump is not in power. Well, direct power of America. What a hot ass mess. Well... You know, Trump is gearing up again, child. I can't believe that there's a possibility that he could run again and the American people could actually elect him. Wow. That would be so interesting. He strikes me as a person who's probably, and I try to put my goat mouth in him, but I feel like it'd be amazing if Trump lived to the next election. I mean, he's not the healthiest person in the world. He worse than me with his diet. We love him some cheeseburgers. And how old is he? He's in his, is in his 70s now? Mm-mm. Well, Carol, she for one says that it should be voluntary because she hates wearing a mask in Foster's at 6.30 a.m. with nobody in there, but in bars and restaurants, nobody's wearing a mask. But here's the thing, Carol. How would you feel the government says, all right, drop the mask mandate and Foster's keeps it? You still have to go into Foster's with a mask. <laughs> and what are you going to do? Like I said, you're going to argue with um, Foster's about their mask policy. Foster's is a private company. So if they say they're going to maintain masks for the safety of their workers, because we've seen what happens if they have an outbreak or an infection, they've got to start doing all kinds of stuff. Um, You know, these companies have spent a lot of money with trying to up scale their protection when it comes to COVID, all the the plastic shields and the, you know, extra sanitation processes and all this kind of stuff. And so I don't, I don't say anything wrong with them maintaining it. And then what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, the Cayman Islands government said I can wear a mask, but Foster's is telling me no. So I'm going to get upset with Foster's. Uh, Johanna says, I agree, Sandy. Good morning. Uh, Irvlin says she's sick of it too. It gives her a headache. Um, you know, I mean, I've gotten used to my mask and I'm, I'm a person who initially found it very difficult to breathe with a mask on. And, um, I had to plan trips, especially to the grocery store very, very carefully. I would be in and out like in and out burger chow real fast. Um, Cameron is asking about the COVID tablets. Well, they're still around. And as far as I know, they're helping people. Uh, Karen says 17 deaths. They so lie, you know. Yes, honey, chill. Um, undoubtedly, China hides a lot. Uh, Damien says, I bet you nobody's boycotting Chinese food. 
Jonathan. Damien, sorry. You guys are so funny. Um, yeah, so Marshall says he continues to wear his mask in certain areas, but he's relaxed it a bit. Uh, restaurants have some of the worst air, I feel like. But having said that, I have seen signage where certain restaurants, although it's very expensive, have now claimed that they have improved their um, HEPA filtration and their air circulation systems. You always know when a restaurant has bad um, sort of like filtration systems because you go in there and you come out smelling like the food. Do you guys remember, help me with the name of the place now, there was a little um, food place in town where this is before the coffee shop, right on the corner of Fort Street and what is that cut through street there? But uh, right on the you know, Bank of Butterfields on the one end, and now there's a jewelry store going in there. So Cafe Del Sol used to be there. But before Cafe Del Sol, there was, um, I think it was the Fosters might, that might have even been running it. But it was a little, um, like you could go in there and get like cooked lunch and sandwiches, whatever. So it was like a little mini mart, right, um, for food. And can I tell you that uh, amazingly, Every time I would go in there, I would come out and my shirt and my clothes would smell of the food that they were cooking that day. And this is years ago because, you know, Café del Sol was there forever, right? And I always used to come out and be like, oh, like, seriously, what kind of filtration system that they have in there? They're cooking all this good food and the ventilation isn't the best. And that's why when you come out, you smell like what you're having for lunch. And honestly, your clothes would pick up the smell just going in there grabbing a lunch and standing in line for two minutes to pay for it. And I always thought, what kind of filtration system are they not using? Are they not pulling that smell out of the exhaust? Another way that you can tell how poor filtration systems are is in salons. Have you ever gone in a salon and the it's so stifling, like the air is so stifling? And once they start like blow drying hair in particular, and they're using certain products, the whole place gets smoky and there's nothing pulling that out. Folks, imagine what that's doing to your lungs. Some of y'all need to pay attention because it's not just COVID you need to be concerned about when it comes to air quality. It's a good indication that other things are, are happening um, in certain establishments. So Natasha says that tourists refuse to wear a mask indoors. I'm not entirely surprised by that, but I think if people have very clear signage and a clear policy, they can refuse because you're just not coming in wherever, wherever it is. But hey, a lot of restaurants and businesses in town are so glad to see tourists back that they're now going to probably let it slide with tourists. And this is one of the problems because I think people are saying to me, it's not fair that tourists can come here and not wear a mask and we have to. Now, I don't know. Um, someone mentioned that this was a, a policy. And it's actually not correct. Uh, tourists are supposed to be um, adhering to the mask mandate just like everyone else. But I think what's happening is in real terms, it's not being enforced. And so it does give the appearance of there being a double standard. Let me say this. Um, another question I got this week that was very, very interesting is someone who's not vaccinated has to go to uh, the United States of America for treatment. And they said, Oh, Sandy, can I go to America if I'm not vaccinated? I'm like, honey child, you think America playing with you? No, you cannot go to America if you're not vaccinated. 
If you're an American citizen, then knock yourself out. But as a non-citizen, you need to still lateral flow tests at least 24 hours before. And you have got to be vaccinated unless you fall into certain exemption categories. And because you're going out for a medical visit, that ain't no excuse. America still isn't going to let you in. (laughs) So consider that because do you guys remember we were talking about the little girl, the child um, who was visiting Cayman and needed to be air ambulance off because of long haul um, COVID lungs. Basically her lungs had crystallized after COVID infection that they didn't seek medical help for. Right. One of the particular issues that they were having with the child trying to go to America well, the parents didn't have a visa, first of all. In America, they're not, listen, they're not really playing with you. They don't care if it's the air, air ambulance situation. They're not going to be like, ooh, we'll just give you a pass because you're about to die. They'd be like, uh, die in your own country. That's America's hardcore. Um, This family, the parents also were not vaccinated. So America's like, eh, pump the brakes. You got an air ambulance for $28,000 that's willing to take you. You've got um, a hospital that says they will help you with the bill. That's all fine and dandy, but there are immigration requirements that you cannot pass. And one of the requirements is you've got to be vaccinated and you need to have a visa to be able to enter the United States of America. Or, you know, if you're like an ESTA country, then there's no visa requirement. If you don't have those, sorry for you, but you're not coming to America. And so, again, Jamaica was a more viable option. Also, two things out of that story. I know when we were discussing in the show, there were a couple of questions that we left up in the air. So let me clarify them now for us, because I did go back that same day and got the additional information. So point number one, when it comes to um, having a child on a work permit, you can combine Incomes. I think this was a question that came up. Like, could both parents have applied and and combined their income to get to that thirty five hundred or whatever it is? I'm not sure that it has a fixed amount right now, but in the past, it's been like thirty five hundred, right? So, um, but you need to show basically that you can maintain this child because most children um, who are on a work permit will have to be in a um, private school, which is, you know, private schools are not cheap in the Cayman Islands, right? And other things. Um, So yes, the answer, the final answer to that is you can, because I was thinking you could only do it on one parent. So you can combine incomes and like kind of co-apply. But when immigration puts the child on a permit, they will only put it on like one person's permit, if that makes any sense. So you can combine everything and say, okay, as husband and wife. And I do think there's a requirement that you have to be married because otherwise if you're just like, you know, this is my side boo, but I got a wife over here, uh, might have issues with you being able to support the side boo and the child. So I think there's a requirement that the parties be married or in some sort of a, um, civil partnership, something that's actually recognized by law for this to work out for them. But you can apply and put your resources together and have the child then put on, say, for the mother's work permit, for example. The other question that came up, and I couldn't remember at the time, was what jet or what plane was used to transport them to Jamaica. 
And I was thinking it was the big jet. And I can now confirm that indeed it was the Max 8. And the reason they had to use the Max 8 as opposed to the Saab is because of the lung condition that she had, this long haul COVID, crystallized lungs. It was uh, the air pressure in the plane. They had to maintain a certain altitude so that she didn't die in flight. So her medical condition was such that, um, you know, the altitude and the air pressure of the of the actual um, plane was extremely important. And the only plane that we have here that could do that was the MAX 8, which is very, very interesting, I thought. So the Cayman Islands government uh, basically foot the bill for the MAX 8 to go to Jamaica with all of like... I think it was four or five people on board other than the flight crew. So two, I think it was like two nurses, the parents and the little girl. That's a lot of money. That's like a $30,000 trip right there with no revenue. Shout out to the PAC government for doing that. Um, I know, like I said, when it comes to, you know, the health of children, especially we feel like there's a bottomless pit out there, but in the real world, there is no such thing as a bottomless pit. Miss Rhonda says, good morning, Sandra. Your show keeps us, uh, gives us so much information. The best. Have a pleasant day. Thank you, my love. Um, I got to give you guys a little message. Somebody messaged me yesterday and she said, child, my husband and I, I, I had to laugh when she said this to me. She said, my husband and I get up every morning and we are tuned into your show. She, she says, as a matter of fact, he'd be pushing me out of bed, like, get up, get up. Um, Sandy's going live now. Turn her on. <laughs> This is this is what this person said to me. She said, listen, I don't feel jealous of any other woman than you. <laughs> she says, my husband literally um, wakes up screaming, we're late for the show. Every morning, we uh, need to try to be the first to log on to Facebook. And he doesn't have Facebook, so he uses mine. And now we can listen on the radio as well. So big shout out to that listener. Um, I'm so glad that both you and your husband um, enjoy the program. So good morning to Mark. How are you? Uh, Cameron uh, is here again with the jokes. You know, Cameron is a, a constant uh, jokester. Uh, Mark says we're focusing on the USA. Has anyone noticed that most of the hotels, um, hotel lobbies in Cayman, tour buses for cruise ships don't have their mask on? Well, I don't go in any of those places if I can help it, Mark. Let me be very honest. I still try to limit and think about where I'm going. So hanging out with tourists, not at the top of my list. Am I going to get in a tour bus with anybody? No, thank you. Uh, not even a regular bus, Joe. But yes, I think that tourists, you know, are kind of a lot more lax probably about it um, to their own detriment, really, because a lot of them are probably going to go back home after their cruise COVID positive. Uh, good morning, Irvington. Um, says that uh, the Trump-appointed federal judge made that ruling and it should be left up to the CDC. Yeah, you know, let's remember that in the United States of America, the appointment of judges is a political process. So that's why they appoint, when they appoint someone to the Supreme Court, for example, it's this big, you know, you got to go before Congress and you're going to get drilled in the other side, which once, like right now, for example, they have a Democrat in, in the White House, the other side is the Republicans. They are going to drill... Um, any Democrat, democratically appointed, um, you know, judges, because 
they want decisions to go in a certain conservative way, whether it's about, you know, abortion rights, mask mandates, whatever. And the more conservative judges they have in there, the more likely that is to happen. So, um, yeah, thanks, Everton, for reminding us that it is very politicized in this jurisdiction and in the UK. Judges are not appointed in that way. So judges should be operating with a degree of, you know, non-political influence because that's what you want. Charlotte, good morning. Joining us from Scotland. My goodness, how are you? So good to see you. Um, Sonia, good morning. Patricia says going to bars is an option. Everyone has to go to the grocery stores for food. So she's responding to Carol's point. And that is true. That is true. We all have to grocery shop if we want to eat. Um, And a bar has not seen me. I'm not a bar person anyway, but definitely not during COVID. Mm -mm -mm. No, honey child. Yeah, that used to be a Foster's. Thank you so much. Fort Street Market. Yes. Ooh, the ventilation system in there was no bueno. Mm. But there's a couple of places now that I go. I try to avoid them once I've noticed it happening because I stink of food afterwards. I'm like, ugh. Um, Patricia says that she's still seeing a lot of tourists with masks. I mean, we saw them even when the cruise ships were, when we were live streaming from down there, that a lot of them were still wearing masks, you know? So we'll see. Um, 936-2626, call if you'd like to. Uh, uh uh-huh. So Karen says, oh, no, I did not know that was the situation with the sick child. All immigration policies must be fulfilled. Yes. And I find that um, in the United States of America in particular, um, they don't really bend their rules. Like it's so let me just say this. Immigration and living in another man's country is such an interesting ordeal. I have lived in the United States of America for 15 years out of my life. A lot of that I was a child. So I was very much unaware of all of the requirements for my aunt, for example, to even get me to the States, sending in, you know, she'd apply and put in bank account statements and all kind of stuff. They wanted to know that you could afford to take care of this child. They're not joking, right? And they have a right to deny your application. So the same things that we have here, and in fact, here, I don't even think they require a bank account statement in most cases. They'll just take your word that, okay, you're making enough of a salary. In the U.S., they're like, nope. We want to see your taxes, your bank account statement. Give us your social security number. Immigration wanted all this information from poor Aunt Lottie. And in order for her to have me living there in her control, that was just a requirement. Now, when I became an adult and I became aware of my immigration status, which in high school, I became very aware of it because as I started to apply for universities, they were like, oh, you, little girl, Sandra, Solomon, um, do you know that you're an international student? And poor little me, I was like, what? What does that mean? Because, of course, since the fourth grade, I've been growing up in the States. I don't know what an international student is. I'm like, what is that? They're like, yeah. Your status in the United States of America, your immigration status, has remained on a student visa. And so when you go to university now, you're going to pay four times the tuition that everybody else is going to pay. I was like, what? Listen, America not playing. They didn't care that that point had been there for like 10 years, 11 years, whatever. They're like, uh, what does that have to do with us? <laughs> Your status has remained the same. 
in Cayman, people want to try and argue with immigration. Well, you shouldn't do this, and I have rights. And in America, it's like, read the law, read the immigration law, which is very complex, but read it nonetheless. And I'll never forget that in high school, I had gotten a scholarship from a law firm. Um, they had a debate uh, competition, like a writing competition, then a debate com- competition. I won, and I got this scholarship because, um, you know, we're hustling to pay tuition now, so we got to find money. And uh, I, at the awards dinner, I was talking to one of their lawyers and I was telling him about my immigration situation. He said, oh, perhaps we could help because we do have immigration attorneys on staff. And um, I was like, oh, yeah. So they actually did the work completely pro bono um, and they were able to appeal uh, to the university. They were trying to regularize my immigration status actually by having my aunt adopt me. And it didn't work because there's a time period, um, like a certain age, and I was already over that age. So it was already too late for that. So they're like, no, that isn't going to work. So they actually were able to um, go through the university, and there was some special consideration that I was able to get where I could at least pay in state tuition, which was a lot cheaper than four times <laughs> the international rate, right? So, um, yes, Melicia says, love watching your program, Sandy. Very informative. I'm so glad. Thank you guys so much for sharing that because you guys know I'm an information junkie and I've always been my entire life. I love knowledge and information because I think that it makes us um, just better people. You know, the better informed you are with facts and information, the better decisions you can make in your life, like all around, right? From relationships to education to finance, everything. Most of us are in a financial mess because we just don't know how to manage our money. And it's hard. And no one has ever taught us these things. But I love that you guys love information, apparently, just as much as I do. Good morning, Don. Happy Friday to you. Uh, where's the Bobo merch? Don is saying. Need my t-shirt? I know. I'm still thinking because we got an anniversary coming up in June. So I definitely have to have to um, order some merch. And I'm thinking, what do we order? Do we do t-shirts? Mugs for sure. Because mugs are, ooh, the mugs are hot. We could do keychains. So people still like keychains. Um, caps and hats. So we're going to talk about some of those things. Because we need to make some decisions soon. Because there's a real supply chain issue. Uh, so we want to give our suppliers enough time that if we place an order, we can get it. So yeah, send me your feedback on uh, what you think. Um, Everton says everything that you said is obviously is absolutely right. You have a good knowledge of our political system uh, in the U.S. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I lived in the United States of America. I always tried to, as much as possible not to really involve myself too much in American politics, although by the time I left, I had residency. Because I kind of felt like, you know, leave that to the citizens of America to fix the, their um, their country and to also mess it up. <laughs> it's going to be on them because I do have an option to, you know, I ran back to Cayman. And so, um, you know, America is very, very interesting on so many fronts, but definitely politically. In more recent times, it has become extremely interesting. Uh, recently, I was saying to someone, like, when I grew up, there were things that politically, you you couldn't say that were politically incorrect, like about color and race relations. Not that people weren't thinking it or weren't necessarily saying it more privately, but you couldn't get in a public forum and say it. 
and now it's like a free for all. People can say anything and it's like, you know, Trump has opened up this Pandora's box of we can be prejudiced and we can let the whole world know it. And people think that that's okay. Mm. Emma, good morning to you. Emma says that uh, immigration here requires your bank statements. If you want to bring someone here, that will be your responsibility. Good. Glad to hear we got some standards in place. Um, so Charlene says, well, Sandra, there's something else that we have in common, having lived in the good old USA for 15 years. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in the States, folks, and that's why sometimes, um, especially when I first came back, people be like, who, who, this, who this American woman is talking about Cayman? I don't know who she is, you know. I just don't know her. And then some of them, I remember one day I was walking by the airport um, what's the airport called? The main airport, uh, APO and, um, airport post office. And a guy said to me, I was just walking out of my own business. And he said, um, excuse me, miss, I'm not trying to be forward or anything, but, um, you, 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 you for Eurek Solomon. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know that? <laughs> I mean, this is Cayman, you know, you can look at people. And everybody has always said that me and my oldest sister um, from Northside, Melrose, looked the most like my dad of all of his children. So I'm the youngest, ironically, and she's the eldest. And everybody says the two of you look like him. And so um, I was like, well, yes, I'm for you, Rick Solomon. And he's like, girl, you can't hide you. He said that walk, you walk just like your daddy. Flat foot and all. <laughs> so I laughed and I said, thank you, I think. <laughs> he said, yeah, girl, I saw you. I don't, I don't know who you is, you know. And I saw you walk in. I said, but that looked like Yurik. And then I see you and I, I had to stop you and ask you if you're not for Yurik Solomon. And I said, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty funny. But that's Cayman for you. And that's Caymanians. Like they can look at you and tell you who you for who your mama is and who your daddy is. Um, Lucille says, good morning. I'm not home right now. I'm in London. Uh, I do not leave my house without my mask. When the ship arrived a few weeks ago, I noticed that all the local government staff, there was no mask. I was surprised. But all I'm praying for is that my um, ex-coworkers, the taxi drivers, are the ones who are the most exposed. Um, and I don't want the island to break out again. It would make me sorry. I have family and friends here that are that so everyone needs to protect themselves and take care yes absolutely mm -hmm. um so cameron says you can still kill the yank though sandy yes um listen because i grew up in the states you know the accent sometimes throws people off a little bit but you know the Caymanian accent kind of comes and goes sometimes. Because you know what happened to me when I first went to the States? I had just turned nine years old. It was September of whatever year that was, the early 80s. And a lot of the kids had no idea. Like I'd be talking to them and they'd be like, are you speaking a foreign language? They could not understand me. And I'm like, a foreign language? What are y'all talking about? Like instead of saying alcohol, I used to say alcohol. <laughs> And these, they, these, these kids were like not understanding. And listen, as a youngster, the one thing you understand very quickly is that you need to adjust and acclimate yourself as quickly as possible. Because you don't want to be the one that stands out and the odd one out and everybody's looking at you like, why are you so different? 
And boy, was it a learning curve. One of the most bizarre things for me, I remember like in the fifth or sixth grade, going in the cafeteria and you see the kids like separated by race, like all the Spanish kids are in one little section. You had the black kids together, you have the Caucasian kids in one section. And I would walk in there and not even know where I'm supposed to go. So I'm like, okay, just show me the nerds because they were like the cool kids to me. I was like, I want to hang out with all the smart kids. Um, and I remember quite distinctly in the bathroom having a little episode early on with a little African-American girl asking me if I like, um, what was the term that she used? Oh, do I like crackers? And, you know, that's a derogatory term for white people. I didn't know that at like nine, 10 years old or whatever it was at the time. I'm like, crackers? I said, yes, I love crackers. I love to eat them with cheese and I love to eat them with this and that. And she was like, looking at me like, what? That's not what I'm talking about. So I had to go home to poor Aunt Lottie and say, Aunt Lottie, I had a conversation today and I don't understand it. This woman, this girl asked me in the bathroom if I like crackers. And I said, yes, who doesn't like crackers? And I was naming everything that I like to eat crackers with. And she was looking at me like I'm crazy. So then my aunt had to explain to me what a cracker was in Florida. I'd never heard of such a term before. I'm like, a cracker? Okay. Some some real throwback memories there, I tell you. Um, Charlene uh, says that I some folks thought I had an American accent when I didn't, which I didn't. Um, I thought, yeah, accents are funny. Listen, I, I accept that um, that my accent is, you know, it's probably a little bit more confusing now, <laughs> but um, it is it is what it is. Um, you know, and I was always taught, even though my aunt, uh, she had more of a Southern draw. Aunt Lottie was like, she, she like would draw out her words a little bit and speak a little bit slower. Like Sandra... Would you like some collard greens? I'd be like, no, thanks. Um, you pick up your accents from both your home environment, quite interestingly enough, and whatever else that you're exposed to. So even my daughter, I've listened to her, and she sounds very much probably Americanized as well. Because my husband, you guys know he's a Jamaican, but he does not have a strong Jamaican accent 99% of the time occasionally, like if he goes home to Jamaica and he's like, you know, it'll come out a little bit, but it's still very proper. He speaks proper English, like, you know, not a whole bunch of patois and whatever. And so sometimes even Jamaicans will buck up on him. They'd be like, where are you from? And he's talking to them and they still can't place that he's Jamaican. They put him everywhere. They're like, okay, India, Guyanese, because he looks Indian, Trinidad. They'd be all over the map. And he's just sitting there looking at him and goes, no, I'm Jamaican. And they're like, what? You're a Jamaican? You're from Yad? And then he's like, yeah. <laughs> so she's picking up a very sort of neutral accent. For a minute, she had a British accent because his uh, he's got an aunt and uncle and cousins that live in the UK. And they came to visit us for a month. And this was during the whole Pepper Pig stage. Can I tell y'all? So she's watching Pepper Pig, which is this English accent. And then here comes the aunt and uncle from the UK who stay with us for a month. And they're saying tomato instead of tomato. And all of a sudden this child, and I didn't even pick up on it. We were out somewhere else and they're like, 
oh, who's this little British girl visiting? <laughs> and I'm like, what British girl? <laughs> like that Caymanian child. Oh my God. But younger children in particular can pick up accents very, very quickly. So Soka says, yes, you look so much like Yurik. Um, rest his soul. Um, Jared said, no, sir. <laughs> I like crackers with peanut butter. Says uh, Orville. Good morning, Orville. Yes, I was I was clueless. Mm-mm-mm. Soka says that people are always saying to her that you sound like a Caymanian. Damn right. Never going to hear me sound like an American. <laughs> My children born here and no American accent. Nope. That's interesting. That means, child, you just got really strong Caymanian accent and you've maintained it. And I think that when this is the problem with children is a child's, um, they can be so fluid in, in how they adapt to environments. So a child's accent is a lot easier to change very, very quickly than an adult. Like if you've been, you know, speaking with a particular accent for 30 years already, even if you move to a different country, you probably will maintain that. Um, Jonathan says, did you know why they were called crackers? Because slave owners used to crack the whip back in the day and that's how they got the name crackers. Oh, that, I, I did not know that, Jonathan, but thank you for, hmm, makes sense, I guess. Very interesting. Mm-mm. So Marshall says he's in North Carolina and he has people asking him where he's from when they hear his accent. Um, some Jamaicans are around speaking that manner. Yeah. All right. Charlotte says my kids get asked if they're Americans because of the way that they talk and also because they answer everyone. Yes, sir. And yes, madam. And can I tell you something? The mannerisms, the manners, um, not mannerisms technically, but the manners that we teach uh, traditionally that we teach Caymanian children is, um, I think, very, very important, you know, to show people respect and to show your elders respect. And we will add tags to like, okay, you call somebody auntie, although technically they're not an aunt, but that was a way of, of showing um, respect for, for their position. And yeah, I mean, I think it's important to teach children to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. So if my daughter, she's only five and a half, if she says yes to something, I ask her the question again, and she knows that that means you're supposed to say yes, ma'am, or yes, mommy, or something to that line, right? So it's important uh, culturally, Caymanians have always stood by this, that it's really important to teach children to respect their elders, Um, and I think that that continues to be, although we see some erosion of it, sometimes you'll have certain schools that will tell you to, no, 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 you don't have to call me yes, ma'am or whatever. Or sometimes, um, people don't want to, um, they don't want to feel, um, like they're old, (laughs) you know? So they tell kids, oh, don't say yes, ma'am to me because that makes me feel old. What child? Just own it. And allow children to show their respect. Misha says, don't even ask about my accent. Misha, we're going to be doing the interview with you. And I I want to say, let's try to arrange next week. Because Misha is interesting. Um, uh, now that she mentions her accent. But yes, um, I think next week we should be able to sort that out. You guys are going to find it very interesting to hear Misha's story. So listen, one of the things that I'm super, super excited about here in Cayman Mile Road. You know, we're always trying to what I term level up and level up is always about improving your position of where you're at. So on this platform, we've got the show on Bobo. We've been doing it on YouTube and Facebook for two years now. 
Um, great following, thousands of views for every single show. Appreciate and love you guys so much. But there's so many more conversations that I want to have with other people. I am nosy to the max, in case you haven't noticed, right, Mile Road? Super nosy. But I love to learn about other people. Like, I love to hear people's stories. To me, your life story is so intriguing. Who you for? Where you coming from? Your grandma was so-and-so. And this not, like, in that sense, although I'm not, I'm horrible at it in the sense that people be like, oh yeah, she related to so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't even know who these people are <laughs> because I didn't grow up in Cayman. I don't have that point of reference. I try to explain this to people all the time. Because, you know, most people are like, yeah, she would be, um, something happens to someone. They go, yeah, she would be on age with me, you know, because she went to school with me. Or no, she went to school with my sister, who's like two years older than me. So people make the connections based on, um, like, school, who went to school with each other and that sort of thing. I don't have any of that reference points. I can't remember nobody who went to school with me in, in the fourth grade. Except a, somebody named Dominique that I had the biggest crush on. I don't, know who, I don't even know who Dominique was. I think that was his name. But he was the cutest little boy in the fourth grade at Georgetown Primary. Is he still around? Who's Dominique? Anyway, I thought Dominique was cute. I was like, I had a little fourth grade crush on Dominique. But other than that, I don't remember anybody. You know, so I don't have that point of reference. So when I sit down and talk to people now, elder Caymanians, the Richard and Dick Arches of the world, the, um, you know, Bernard Wattlers of the world, the Miss Elrita. I love to talk to elder Caymanians. And let us be very frank and honest here. They are a dying breed just because they're elder, right? There are elders. Miss Alrita is in her 80s. I think she's 84, 85 years old. So I want to start capturing some of these um, individuals on interview. I know we, I've mentioned this before, but now with the technology, so now I've got my little board and I've got these microphones, which I can easily set up and use the laptop and record these interviews, that is my desire to kick that off in the next couple of weeks. So if you know of anyone, I've got a list already, a working list, but if you know of anybody else that should definitely be included in that, please, um, you know, WhatsApp me and give me their contact information because uh, some of them are sharp as a whip. You know, their brains are on point and we need to record this history, this information. So it's going to be a, a bit of a, like what they did in the community as well. Like, for example, Don Seymour's mom, one day um, over a year ago, I was out at Earth Day, which is coming up this weekend. Don't y'all forget now, go do your Earth Day cleanup tomorrow. And um, I was shocked and surprised that she actually was like the founder of the gardening club. I was like, really? That's awesome. And she has a green thumb and she loves the garden. And I love to hear these stories. Like I'm, I'm totally into it. And so, you know, I want to conduct these interviews um, with these individuals to learn about their individual history, but also the collective history, because this is who we are as a people. This is, this is what makes Cayman Cayman and what makes us all, um, unique, but yet connects us with this thread, right? This is community. Uh, that's why I love the premieres, a slogan that community creates country because it really, really does. And so I want to do my part with these interviews, um, with kind of digging deep and delving into 
you know, the lives of these people who've contributed in so many amazing ways. I mean, they have so many interesting stories. Uh, sometimes on Sundays, I go by Miss Alvita and I get my little local fix for food, my conch and lobster and whatever. And, you know, in the little space of five minutes, we'll have a conversation. She'll tell me how sh- how many children she's raised that weren't even her children. You know, but this is this is how Cayman used to be. People would help and take children in and raise children and contribute. And uh, there's one incident, one story she was sharing about something with the police um, arresting, um, I think, one of the kids that she had in her care. I can't remember if it was her actual son or not. But anyway, they basically arrested him for like no reason, like a false arrest or mistaken identity or something. And as a parent, she took herself down there to the police station. And she's like, listen, if I have to box you down as a police officer right now, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, because what you're doing is wrong and you're locking this child up and you're harming this child for no legitimate or no good reason. I was like, what? Miss Alvita, you bad though. Hmm, interesting. You know, but parents, mothers were willing to go to bat for their kids. Like you didn't mess with a mama and her children. She's like, what? You know what you're doing? You know, and it's like you had to respect your elders um, or seamen. Oh my God, some of them have the most amazing stories. So the John Douglases of the world, like I need to get to John. John and I have been friends for a long time. And, you know, I need to get his story on record. Like these are all the things that I want to hear that make Cayman so unique. And it's going to be no holes bar. If people want to talk about the tough times, abuse, family dysfunctionality, whatever, that is also part of who we are. So, you know, from my perspective, there's always an element of honesty involved in having these um, discussions. So, um, Soka says, yeah, Americans don't say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. But they should. Uh, Charlene says, damn, Skippy, Caymanian culture. Um, yes, thank you, uh, Miss Lilith. Uh, Soka says, we have to find Dominique. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So y'all know that Soka is the, um, she is the pronunciation and spelling police on CMR. Thank you very much, Soka. So if we get it wrong, she's going to be the first to correct us. So she says that it's not Bernard Wattler. I didn't think I said Bernard, but okay. She says it's Brainard Wattler. So yes, it is Brainard Wattler. And thank you for the correction, Soka. Um, Virtuous, good morning. Virtuous says, our story is great. I'm late, but what am I hearing is great. Go, Sandy, please do this for people. Um, Love it. Uh, Don't tell me the stories of Caymanians telling RCA Reyes about them. (laughs) uh, Soka's having a good laugh. But yes, no, I think think that we, you know, this is important um, to really capture these stories. And I love, I love talking to people. I love people watching. I love interviewing people. And so Misha, you're coming up soon. Um, really, really important. So make sure that you know you're you're a newer, newer breed, newer Caymanian. But um she says it's pronounced Brenard, and you always say Bernard. Bernard Wattler. I thought I said Bernard Wattler. Bernard Wattler. I might not be saying it with a hard Brenard, but yes. I'm aware that he does spell it a little bit different and therefore it's pronounced differently. All right. Um, thank you very, very much. 
So we've got uh, someone asking, how can the Water Authority be regulated by Offreg, but cannot regulate the main cause of the issue, which is gas prices? Hmm. What a mess. So suggestion for merchandise is a T-shirt. On the back, it says Bobo. On the front, and Cold Hard Truth in the back. We got to get slow. We got to do them with slogans like, what a mess, and then Bobo. Uh, all right. So very, very good. All right. Wonderful. Let's see what else is in the, the news today. All right. So Earth Day is coming up, folks. I want to encourage all of you to go out and do your part with Earth Day cleanup. You can actually, um, I'm pretty sure, join a team. So sometimes, you know, you don't want to go out there by yourself, um, although you could. But remember, the chamber is giving out a lot of, um, if you need gloves, if you need bags, all those things, the chamber is happy to um, go out there and um, assist um, with. So you just need to present yourself. Be a body. Join a, join a group. Uh, we will not be participating this year um, just because we won't be there, <laughs> but there's a lot of wonderful organizations that are part of the 26th annual uh, Chamber um, Earth Day cleanup. So Earth Week was the 17th through the 23rd, and so it culminates tomorrow with the cleanup effort. So folks, get out there, grab a bag, pick up some garbage. You know, it's so nice if you could pick up garbage in your own yard, because some of y'all have that problem. I'm just saying. But in addition to the garbage in your own yard, go to the beach and pick up a little bit of um, garbage elsewhere. You know, it is what it is. A lot of our beach garbage actually is washing up from other locations. It's not that we are the worst in the world with that. Although I see y'all throwing stuff away and throwing garbage at the windows, cigarette butts and plastic and whatever. Ugh, it's disgusting. Pick up after yourselves. Uh, put it in the bin and go out tomorrow and do your part. Go out as a family. Get up early before the sun hits you. Um, and, you know, pick up pick up some of this hot mess. Plastic is, oh my gosh, there's so much horrible plastic that is, is being used all over the, um, the world, folks. We're overusing plastic and it does not recycle very well. And it just tends to end up in the landfill. So uh, look at your personal habits, how you can improve and help the environment. You know, I think that we should be trying to leave the earth better than we found it. But unfortunately for most of us, that actually isn't the case. And that's not happening. I seem to have a very environmentally conscious daughter, even at the age of five and a half. Every time she sees garbage, even if it's a chewing gum on the floor, she's going to point it out and say, look, that's someone who doesn't care about the environment, mommy. Look at, look at the garbage. And she wants to pick everything up. And that's where I have to stop her. I'm like, don't, you can't pick it up like that. <laughs> you know, um, but she sees plastic bottle cap. She sees, you know, all sorts of stuff. And she is so conscious of it, you know, because again, she goes to school where they try to teach them about loving the earth. The other day she said to me, I want to hug the earth. Can I hug the earth? And I was like, oh, that's so cute, but not really. And she's like, well, what if we shrink it? Can I then hug it? You know, kids, they're like, think of things. And I said, well, you know, 
we can express our love for the earth because she's like, I just love the earth. She loves animals. The turtle is her favorite animal. She loves her turtle, Joe. We have so many stuffed turtles and turtles. She, somebody gave her a beautiful turtle necklace the other day um, at the um, at the farmer's market. And she doesn't want to take it off. She loves, She just loves her turtle. She just loves turtles. But she just loves animals in general, right? And she's like, you know, we have to take care of the earth and we have to stop littering. And I'm like, yes, we do. And so I'm glad to see the cabinet has introduced this um, task force, this beautification task force. I'd love to see, you know, exactly what is on their agenda. We're going to have to have them on the program. Big shout out at 20, 21st, which was yesterday, is one year since the PAC government has been sworn in. Now, I told you guys the report card is coming. It's going to be a little bit delayed because I am waiting on some information. So we're going to go through and have a look at what the PAC government has accomplished in the year, what they haven't done. And I mean, you know, a year in the world of politics isn't necessarily a long time. It takes time to affect change, right? But we're going to break it down and have a look at, um, you know, what they've been up to. And so the beautification committee is, or beautification task force, as they're calling it, is important because we have a role to play. And I find that more and more uh, Caymanians, whether old Caymanians or new fandangled Caymanians, are taking less pride in their surrounding. You know, we just clutter galore, all kind of crap in your yard, all kind of foolishness, and uh, we need to do better. If you love this country and you love this earth, which you should, because you wouldn't be here if there's no earth, uh, we've all got to step up to the plate and do do better with it. Uh, Soka says it's not a plastic problem, it's a human problem. I um, have many recycled items made from plastic bottles, reuse and recycle. So, yes, over the weekend, the DART organization, as part of their Easter initiative, put out these containers. Did you guys see this? We did a whole video on it. They put out their um, big garbage containers, uh, you know, like the industrial size ones. And um, they also put out porta potties because they don't want you using the bathroom in the bushes. <laughs> so they did it, I think, at four different sites, which I thought was good. They actually own those properties. So they're try to maintain and keep their own properties, um, you know, but anybody in the area could come and use their dumpsters. And the whole idea, this is, I think, the second consecutive year now that they've done this, is that they're saying, listen, you can use our properties. It's not a property that's, um, you know, in use at the moment. It's not developed or anything. It's just nature, you know, whatever, beach, and people go camping on these properties. That's not a problem, but try to leave it better than you found it pick up your garbage, put it in the garbage bin. You know, they, they're doing the heavy lifting. So they've delivered the big industrial size um, garbage containers and they will pick them up and they will take it to wherever recycling facility or whatever. But you've got to do your part. You know, you can't just leave your garbage around the place and take pride. Don't leave your plastic bags if you're out camping all over the place. Just put them in the bin. The bin is right there. Super easy. I have seen people, somebody sent me a picture the other day. I'm going to post it for a jackass of the day. Someone sent me a picture of literally, it's a complex in West Bay Road, uh, maybe three, four feet. Somebody drops a food, plastic food container, right? 
And then a couple feet away is the garbage bin. I'm just like, that is the ultimate epitome of laziness. You walk four feet. That, By the way, you need to walk because that exercise is good for you. And instead, you're just throwing it on the ground. What have we come to, folks? Can we not do better? Expect better from each other. Do better individually. So Earth Day cleanup tomorrow, but it shouldn't be a one-off event. Every weekend, we should be involved in trying to clean up our environment. You know, I'm just saying. I try to do my little part around my place. And even sometimes when I'm out in public and I see something, if I can't pick it up without compromising my own, you know, health. So I walk with wipes now all the time, child. I got wipes in the car and I walk with them in my handbag. Um, you know, pick it up and put it in the garbage. Encourage each other to take these steps. So think about the environment once a year for Earth Week and Earth Day cleanup. It's really about understanding that we get one shot at this. Uh, this government says that they're all about sustainability. There's certain things that they have done, which is fantastic. In fact, the premier is now driving a um, sustainable vehicle. So he, on a personal level, um, his own vehicle is a, um, one of those nice rechargeable vehicles. I think that's fantastic. So we can't just talk the talk. We've got to be willing to walk the walk as well. Mm -hmm. And this leadership uh, appears to be very, very committed to that. And I must take my hats off to them. Um, you know, long ways to go, but we can make it happen. So 2022 Earth, the annual cleanup on the 23rd, starting at 7 a.m., until 10 a.m. You got to get up early because after 10 a.m. the sun is going to kill you. Uh, people will be out at all of the beach fronts and different locations picking up garbage, folks. Um, be part of the, the solution and not the problem. Uh, the previous year we were at um, Smith Cove. So we actually started at Savannah at, um, hold on now. No, we started at um, Spots Beach. And then we did a cleanup there with my husband and his coworkers. And then we went on to, um, we went on to uh, Smith Barkadier. And that's where I met uh, Don's mom and learned more about, because the gardening club was at that location. And they were there looking at some of the local fauna and saying, oh, this plant is native to the Cayman Islands. And this is why, you know, you don't want to, um, to mess with it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yes. Um, all right. So we do have um, a COVID expert. Big shout out to Kevin Wattler, who's going to jump onto the program for the remainder of the show. We have um, PhD, Dr. Michael Tang. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Associate Dean, College of Medicine, um, Internal Medicine, Associate Professor, College of Medicine and Internal Medicine. Mm. Kevin has just sent me this, but he doesn't say which university. So I'm going to assume it's USF, but let us find out here this morning. So good morning. How are you? Good morning. 
Yeah. Good to be with you. Yes, yeah, thank is, you I am, I am at USF, so yes, yeah, indeed. Wonderful. <laughs> I, I made the assumption, <laughs> but yeah. you know what they say about assumptions. You got to be careful. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you for joining the program. Big shout out to Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, Cayman. Good morning, Sandy. And good morning, Dr. Tang. He was in a meeting, and so I reached out to him and said, hey, um, I know um, Cayman Mall Road is looking for a COVID expert, and do you have a quick time to jump on the show this morning? And he you know, said, sure, no problem. And so here he is. Okay. I didn't know you were going to make it happen that quickly, but hey, we're all for it. Um, so, um, Dr. Tang, thank you so much for joining the program. Uh, of course, we have been watching with interest uh, the developments. So maybe we start there. What is the latest, um, you know, sort of trending developments as it relates to COVID? There's a lot of debate right now about the mask mandate um, being lifted in the U.S. and the CDC saying that they're going to fight it. Uh, where where are we at with COVID right now? What are the numbers showing? What are the trends showing? Yeah, so right now in the United States, um, the Northeast is is having a little bit of a surge in cases. Mm -hmm. um, we're not testing as much, so it's a little bit, we have to do sort of secondary ways of testing. And so they're doing a lot of wastewater testing, which is a really mm -hmm. good indicator of just community spread of the virus. Um, and it turns out that this is the, kind of sister of Omicron. So it's not the Omicron mm -hmm. wave that we've experienced in the uh, winter time, but this is a, a, a related variant. So it seems to be more transmissible, um, mm -hmm. can avoid the immune system a little bit. And that's why we're seeing increased number of cases. All right. So you say they test the wastewater. How, how yeah. is that? Done? That's interesting. Yeah. So it turns out that about half of the people who get COVID actually mm -hmm. um, put the, they have, they poo out their, the virus mm -hmm. it grows in the GI tract. So you can actually right. take the wastewater, concentrate it, and look for the virus's genome in the wastewater. You can't tell exactly who was infected or where that right. sample came from, but you can tell generally in a community um, yeah. what the levels are. And so it's been oh. very valuable. We have a couple of test sites here in Florida. Um, mm -hmm. There's a bunch of them scattered around uh, the United States and in other countries like in Europe as well. They do a lot of wastewater testing. Wow, that's interesting. Amazing. So um, some some upward trends uh, because of this new variant, which is a lot more transmissible. What about um, hospitalization and deaths? What What's the trends in relation to those? Yeah, hospitalizations doesn't seem to be going up as much. And I think, you know, because we had this huge Omicron wave in the wintertime, mm -hmm. I think we're still in that kind of period that I think there was estimates that almost up to 50% of uh, Americans got infected at some point during the Omicron mm -hmm. wave. And so we still have kind of that residual immunity. So we don't really expect to see as many severe cases, even though cases are, are trending upwards, but that will, you know, that will kind of go away um, mm -hmm. after a while because our immunity tends to wane after, uh, you know, a few months. All right. So we know that um, vaccine-induced immunity wanes. And so you're saying that natural immunity is basically the exact same thing as well. Yeah, it seems to last a little bit longer, but it okay. still wanes at, at some point. So especially in people who are really susceptible to severe COVID, you know, the elderly, people who may not have as good an immune system, so immunocompromised people, um, the, the immunity wanes in, in that group of people. Mm -hmm. Right. No, and is I the best mask. advice... Sorry. Okay. No, I was no, going to say... Is... <laughs> is the best advice still um, to get vaccinated? And what portion of the U.S. population is now fully vaccinated? 
Yeah, so this is another thing that's a little bit confusing. So we were sort of we're sort of changing a little bit our definition of fully vaccinated, right? Before mm. the idea of fully vaccinated was the two dose series of the mRNA or the one dose series of the uh, adenovirus vectors, and now, you know, we're we've we've gotten enough data that two to that first two dose series of the mRNA vaccine, the one dose of J and J, is is probably not enough, and mm -hmm. so fully vaccinated would really be considered to have a booster, a third dose of mRNA or um, a booster dose with the J&J. &J. Mm -hmm. In that sense, we were really doing poorly in the United States having um, fully vaccinated people. We have about, I think we have over 70% of our population has had the, the primary series, but only I think less than 50% of our population has had that booster dose. All right, Kevin? Yeah, and so I know there's a lot of debate really recently on masking, whether people should mask up or not. Um, and of course, in the Cayman Islands, that's definitely one of the things that a lot of people are talking about as well, just like the rest of the world. What is your opinion on, on masking? So masking really is about risk reduction for you and for the people around you. Um, mm -hmm. So it... You know, with with the lack of mask mandates and, and things like that, I think you should think about these things and try to be as safe as possible, especially mm -hmm. if you are living with elderly people who may be more susceptible or, you know, cancer patients or people with, you know, underlying conditions that would mm -hmm. make them more susceptible to severe COVID. It just, you know, this is, you know, now, now that we have it, the way we have it in the United States, it's now your choice to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. um, I personally wear a high quality mask um, wherever I go, especially if I go into kind of confined spaces, you go into the grocery store or if you go to, you know, um, a meeting place that has, you know, not very good ventilation. You know, I think in Florida as well as in the Caymans, I think they're the nice thing that we have is that we, we have really nice weather so we can be outside a lot. Mm -hmm. um, well ventilated places are, are great. Um, you know, up in the Northeast, for example, in the wintertime, a lot of the houses are really small and they're very enclosed and they don't have good airflow. But, you know, I think down in the tropics, there's a lot better airflow in a lot of places. So, you know, mask when you're in enclosed spaces, but, you know, if you're outside enjoying the weather, um, you don't have to be as worried about masking. Mm-hmm. Hmm. hmm. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, we were having the discussion earlier, just trying to encourage people to, you know, it's just like hand washing or anything else that I think the sooner we adopt it as part of a regular routine, um, probably the better. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what we saw the first year of the pandemic is that um, people were very, very good about, you know, keeping distance, wearing masks, because we didn't yeah. have the vaccine or anything like that. Um, so these, you know, physical measures that we were doing um, were really good. We didn't even have a flu season. And normally we have flu season in the wintertime. There was no flu. And so these public health measures that we do are not just effective against COVID. They're effective mm -hmm. against pretty much all the other viruses that spread in the same way. Right. Yeah. They work. It works, basically. Yeah, it does work. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I know some people also talk about, you know, the importance of vitamin D. What would you want to share about that? So the one thing about vitamin D is that some people are actually have a deficiency of vitamin D. So uh -huh. they have a genetic deficiency. And if you supplement them with vitamin D, then their immune responses are better. 
and they're healthier. Uh, for those of us who actually have sufficient levels of vitamin D, you know, adding a little bit is, is not harmful, but I wouldn't go ahead and, you know, add a lot of vitamin D to your, to your diet. Um, especially, you know, when we're in the, you know, the tropics where we could get a lot of sun, um, and we're outside, we get plenty of vitamin D for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. anyways, so I think this is, it's, you know, we, we take vitamins and things like that for supplementation, but it's not necessary for those of us who are, you know, relatively healthy, eating a good diet, um, and getting, mm -hmm. getting outside, I don't get outside very much, but getting outside, you know, on the weekends and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's funny mm -hmm. you say that because even though, you know, the Cayman Islands have a lot of sunshine, just like here in Florida, where you and I are mm -hmm. actually at, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of times we're like indoors ma majority of the time. And mm -hmm. if we do go outside, it's probably in the evening when it's cooler. Um, yeah. So, you know, we might be missing out on some of that very important sunshine. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's always good to get out during on the weekends or when you're off of work. Um, I, if you can get out for lunch, for example, that mm -hmm. would be, that's great too. So yeah, that, that's always helpful. Just kind of as a, our bodies are adjusted to sunlight, right? We've, we're not used to living in these, you know, for centuries we've been living in houses, but before that we would live outside. So um, right. our bodies are used to being outside and seeing sun. Mm -hmm. How close do, do you think we are to an endemic versus the pandemic? Um, are, are we kind of in the endemic stage now or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think we're not quite there yet. Um, I think what we're seeing with this sister of Omicron variant, which doesn't have um, a letter yet, but um, I think we're starting to see some evolution off of that one. So it, the, the parent is called BA2. We have a homegrown version here in the United States that seems to be taking over. It has another bunch of numbers after it. So if that's the case, this may be the start of, you know, the virus becoming endemic. But, you know, endemic doesn't mean that it's not causing disease, right? Um, flu is endemic. And in the United States, it kills, you know, between 15 and 25,000 people a year um, in a normal season. So it's still significant, you know, health concern. So even when it becomes, when, when COVID becomes endemic, it will still be a significant health concern. Right. Hmm. Very interesting. So it's not going away anytime soon. Can you explain why, you know, when we had the, the bird flu, for example, that mm -hmm. seemed to like hit with a humongous wave and then it just disappeared. Zika came on board. I know this is kind of like the whole area of infectious diseases uh -huh. looked like it was like everywhere. And then all of a sudden it just disappeared. Is COVID going to disappear like that? Can we expect that to happen? Or is this something that's going to be here to stay? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I you know, anything I would say is kind of a guess, right? So mm -hmm. um, my guess is that it's going to stay around. Um, we saw with the original SARS virus, SARS-CoV-1, um, that came and it was gone after a year uh, mm -hmm. because it didn't transmit very well. You had to be symptomatic to transmit it. And then there was all these, you know, lockdowns, shut down. We didn't have a vaccine for it. We, we didn't have time to make a vaccine or antivirals for it. It just went away mm -hmm. and we never saw it. Zika also, right? So Zika came through. Um, but the, the interesting thing about Zika is that we estimate that about 80% of the pe people that got infected with Zika never showed symptoms. So we think there are mm -hmm. a lot of people out there that are actually have been infected with Zika 
And mm-hmm. so they have, we have, you know, immunity to Zika and that's why it hasn't really spread much anymore. Um, right. So the, the avian, that 2009 avian influenza you were referring to, that actually is still with us. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our vaccine now. So we, it just became, you know, the, the virus that we, it took over for the other virus that was very similar to it. So it's still here. Right. And we actually see trending in the the headlines um, in the UK is that, uh, speaking of the avian flu, that they actually had um, an outbreak at two more poultry farms in Lancaster Mm. County. So as you said, that hasn't actually gone anywhere. It kind of seems to peak at times and then they have these outbreaks and maybe they get under control, but it's definitely a a continued, uh, you know, cause for concern. Well, it's a, it's a huge problem for the agricultural business, right? Because once you have an outbreak of avian flu, it tends to kill poultry. And then you have to, the way to, to prevent it from spreading is really to cull your uh, chickens. And so for domestic producers, um, you just, you end up with a lot of dead birds that you can't sell mm-hmm. because you, you have to assume that they're infected. So it's a huge problem. I think that's, you know, if you've been to the store recently, chicken prices are going up. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons is that, you know, we've had these avian influenza outbreaks in some of the larger, you know, some, some producers. Right. Wow. Very, very interesting indeed. Um, as it relates to, I was reading another interesting headline story where a patient tested positive for the coronavirus for 505 days. How does it happen that someone can be positive for that long? Well, there's some cases where people, again, these are, um, there's other instances where people are positive for, you know, over a hundred days. These people are immunocompromised. So uh-huh. a lot of times they're cancer patients, um, right. cancer patients with like, uh, lymphomas or, you know, blood cancers. Um, so what you have to do is to try to suppress the immune system because these cancers are cancers of the immune system. And when they uh-huh. do, when you do that, then these people tend to have this long term persistent infection. 500 days is a long time though to be infected. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm That's actually, a year and a half, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of shocked that something didn't happen with that patient that they didn't get, you know, really sick mm-hmm. from COVID or something like that. But yeah, this is, this has been seen in a number of different um, scenarios with cancer patients. We, we, we suspect that it might happen also in some HIV positive people, um, mm-hmm. but we haven't really been able to do the, the really good, long-term studies because in the United States we have, we generally have pretty good, um, uh, people get the drugs to keep Mm -hmm. HIV down. So their immune systems are pretty, pretty good. Um, other countries where they don't have as available, the HIV drugs tend to have a little bit higher levels of HIV in the blood and they may have some immune deficiency. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify, Thank you for that. And just to clarify for our listeners that there is a difference between what is being termed as persistent COVID-19 and long COVID-19. So basically long COVID is where the virus has cleared your system, but you have the symptoms that persist. Um, So whether it's issues with your breathing or lungs or um, fatigue syndrome and other things, but this Mm -hmm. persistent COVID, which is this particular patient for a year and a half, Basically, um, they tested positive for COVID throughout, which is astonishing. But there's a few other cases of people testing positive for long periods of time as well. Well, um, doctor, we were a little 
little bit on short on time, so we'll give you just a few minutes um, for some final comments on on your your thoughts on COVID and kind of the way forward. Yeah, I think you know we're gonna this virus is gonna stay with us, so I think mm -hmm. we have to we have to live with it. We you know we can't go back into really extreme control measures, which means that you know it's sort of incumbent on us as individuals to take um, the precautions that are really necessary, right? So mm -hmm. that means um, we know through this, throughout the course of the pandemic, we know distancing is good, masks mm -hmm. are good, hand washing is good. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure that you take care of yourself, but also take care of you know those around you, right? Mm -hmm. Especially those of us who live with our you know older family members or family members who may have you know underlying medical conditions. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think the one thing that we haven't done well in this pandemic is um, talk to each other and mm -hmm. make sure that we all are on the same page, that we're trying to look out for everybody. Because a mm -hmm. lot of the, the discussion here in the United States with mask mandates is, is all about it, it's, it's us versus them. Um, mm. And, you know, this pandemic doesn't care what you think. Uh, the virus will come mm -hmm. and find you as long as you're mm -hmm. human with lungs. It doesn't care whether you believe masks are um, necessary or they're not necessary. So I think what we need to do really mm -hmm. is to to make sure that we we fight this as a team rather than mm -hmm. trying to let some people fight it and let some other people not have to fight it. Right. Some good advice there. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you for arranging um, Dr. Tang to come on the program today um, on short notice, but very, very informative. As Cameron says, listen to the experts. And um, I think that we, you know, we'll, we'll get through it uh, together. But as Dr. Tang said, it's all about um, communication and working together to find solutions and initiatives that, uh, you know, will hopefully get us. Um, I don't think there'll be life post COVID necessarily, but we're going to, we're going to learn to just, to just live with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it'll think the future will look a little different, but um, we'll, we'll get back some normalcy soon. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much, Kevin. Yeah. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great one. Right. Okay. Have a good weekend. Nice to be on with you. Take care. All right, folks. So big shout out to Kevin Watler. That's how he works. Uh, got us someone on this morning to have just a few minutes chat with us about uh, COVID. And we, we'll we'll get some more people on. We had some fabulous, if you missed the COVID spotlight series that Kevin produced um, last year, please go on the website and check that out because it was a wealth of information. I forget how many shows we did in total, but amazing, amazing information. Folks, that's the end of our program. Look at that, 9.30 straight up on the uh, half hour there. I want you guys to have a wonderful and safe weekend. Please slow down. Don't drink and drive. Go out tomorrow, participate in the annual cleanup. This is the 26th annual cleanup for Earth Day, um, 7 a.m. until 10 a.m. If you need any materials, uh, check the chamber. They'll give you trash bags, and then DEH will be picking up once you put that those bags by the roadside. They'll be arranging the pickup and collection of those. So be safe this weekend. Enjoy the weekend uh, with your friends and family, and we'll see you guys bright and early on Monday morning. 
Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 